what were they called? Uh, what they called this guy? What his um? What they they moved out of Ireland when they had to pay tax? What is called? Oh, you too, you too, you too. Not YouTube, yeah, YouTube, uh, which was, you know, so, you know, so hypocritic because, you know, <laughs> had all these opinions and calling presidents from uh, the state listen, when they had concerts yeah, I, I, and all I, I that. Grew- I and grew when up, they had um, to pay taxes in Ireland. <laughs> Look, oof, it, they move out of the country. I, yeah, I grew up one or two streets away from Bono, so I, he's he's not the worst. But look, I'm talking to John Strand there. As you I call him a champagne socialist. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking to John Strand, and we're sort of jumped to the end uh, before we got into the podcast, but we'll we'll sort that out. So, John, listen, thanks for coming on the podcast, and maybe just tell people what you do. You're based in Copenhagen, and what do you yes. do? I, for 26 years, run the company, which basically is providing mobile operators or telecom operators across the world with two types of information. Information on how the market looks and evolves from a technical perspective and business models. And then what's happening in the regulatory space and what is the impact on the industry. And we work globally. We have people on basically, I don't know, four or five continents. Uh, so we have people basically sitting all over the world and we have clients all over the world. That's cool, yeah. And you, you. I mean, we had a quick conversation there. You've, you've quite extensive experience, and obviously international, loads of all international experience. So, um, we were just comparing war stories. And uh, why I asked you on the podcast was I've seen a report you did, and we were talking about Huawei, the Chinese infrastructure company, and maybe also the China Telecom service company. But you, um, have pointed out or maybe highlighted the dangers of working with a company that's so closely aligned to a government is would that be fair yeah you could say like that i think it's very important i very often get the question is huawei dangerous Mm. and and my answer is what is the most vital infrastructure the fighter planes with the air force have like the f-35 or telecommunication infrastructure people always reply that's telecommunication infrastructure I said it's okay to buy Chinese telecommunication infrastructure. Should be also be okay for the Air Force to buy Chinese fighter planes. And then the discussion is very much over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could say, like, why this reality is we have a China today, which is a different China than we had 10 years ago. Uh, we saw when when uh, Great Britain gave up Hong Kong, the, the deal was one country, two systems. It had turned into one country, one system. Uh, we basically see a very aggressive China. We see we see a link between the government and Huawei, which is is basically it's it's like one, if you could mm-hmm. say like that. Um, and 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 basically, my opinion is that it's not smart to build the fundament of the digital society on top of a Chinese platform. Okay, and what would you say to people who'd say that? Um... All national, you know, champions, shall we say, in, in infrastructure, would probably be influenced by the government that they work under. Do you, do you think that's fair comment? Is this, this a, across this, the board, or is it just an exceptional case? No, but it's, it's very important to say is that China is not a part of the same military alliance as we are part of. That's one thing that's important. We can see that after Russia have invaded Ukraine, uh, and Western companies have pulled out of Russia. Chinese companies moving in, China is very close related. We saw that under the under the BRIC meeting uh, a few days ago or last week, that, that China and Russia is, is allied. And, and, and basically, you know, uh, I don't think it's smart to, to build a digital infrastructure 
on on the top of the platform, which from a, which basically has come from a country where the government is very close to, uh, to Putin and and accept what he's doing and actually helping him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, that's that is the case, obviously. And you had a very interesting story I noticed about the, in particular, the Danish experience. Yeah, let me just say, so I'm in Ireland and there's three operators. Uh, one of them has gone uh, 100% on Huawei um, infrastructure. Yeah, Ireland has a lot of U.S. multinationals based here. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound too um, alarmist. I don't mean it this way, but you could see the potential for data sh- transferring, you know, between Ireland and the U.S. mother company, should we say? Yeah, but you had a very interesting story about the the in in Denmark and Huawei. Could you relate that to us, John? Yeah, it, what's happened in Denmark was at the time where. TDC, which is the incumbent, a hundred percent private company who have nothing to do with the government, is private owned by some pension funds, uh, had to decide who should be their future provider uh, when they upgrade their network to five G. We saw that at the day day before it was announced who the the partner should be, we saw basically they put a pressure on TDC and said, "We have a new uh, new proposal to you. We want to give you an even better price." Uh, and at the same time, the Chinese ambassador and the CEO of Huawei in Denmark also put a huge pressure on the Danish government to force TDC to use Huawei equipment and not choose another supplier. Uh, what Bloomberg actually uh, discovered and actually put into the media here in, in the end of June was basically that Huawei had been spying on TDC and using drones. And it was it's a fantastic story. You can find it on YouTube, you can find it on the Internet. But after the story about Huawei's spying on TDC uh, and how they try to, to to use that information to provide TDC with better proposals than the one they already got from some of Huawei's competitors, um, we saw also how the Chinese and Huawei was trying to put a huge pressure and threatening the Danish government. Uh, mm-hmm. The reality is that Danish government says we have no impact on this. It's a private company who make their own decision, and and basically, uh, the reality was that 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 of course TDC choose the solution from that provider they felt was living up to their specification of what they would like to have in the future. And while we didn't get the order, mm. um, it just shows that case how China, uh, the Chinese government, and Huawei is working close together. But it also shows how the Chinese government uh, is not afraid of putting pressure on governments so that the government should force a private company to choose a certain vendor. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, it, subsequently, I think the ambassador was recalled, you, you said. Yeah, the ambassador sent a letter to the together with Huawei late in the evening before these before the decision was taken. To, to get a meeting with the prime minister and the prime minister said, sorry, this is not my table. Wow. Uh, and, and they got a meeting with the minister responsible for energy and telecommunication. And at that meeting, they were sitting and saying it would be terrible if TDC made another decision. They were even both the ambassador, which was a female, was crying, but also the CEO of Huawei was crying on that meeting, according to some of the civil servants participating in the meeting, saying it would be devastating for them as persons if Huawei didn't get the order. So wow. they took it very personally too. Uh, the reality is, both of them left Denmark like a month after TTC made another decision than using Huawei. Mm, 
Mm. Okay, so well, Denmark uh, obviously is, you know, is well known for having um, strong government. Uh, you know, I, I, I always a bit cautious about government, the same governmental mm. ethics. But what I mean is like they've strong governance. Um, yeah. tr- you know, traditionally Denmark's very high governance. Um, so, but you could see how that pressure would play, say, in an economy which was more dependent on, um, you know, in foreign aid or something like that. You know, you could see the danger of that sort of um, approach. But, uh, you know, it, it's really, and it, that's why I thought the story was very interesting, John. So thanks for bringing it to, to our attention. Is what, what do you think, you know, is, is it a way forward? Is it essentially that, you know, it's in the is the best interest, I shall we say, of the greater Western world, for want of a better word, word um, not to use such critical infrastructure from China. But listen, for me, there's this is no discussion. It's 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 like it's it's, it's very simple. Uh, for me, is I'm looking at it in, in that way that when I look at security, I look at the telecommunication infrastructure is the fundament for the digital society, which connects with everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not so afraid of the Chinese spying because you can spy in different ways, mm-hmm. but if they sh- shut off the networks, basically the whole digital infrastructure collapse. You will not be able, we will not be able to talk, banks will not be make, able to make financial transactions and all those things. You have the case of Germany right now, 60% of all the 5G infrastructure in Germany or 58% is Chinese. Mm-hmm. All the major operators in Germany using Chinese equipment. And Germany is 25% of the GDP in Europe. Uh, 20% of the population, and if Germany, so the digital infrastructure in Germany collapsed or get shut down, basically was devastating for the rest of Europe, which have Germany as their largest or second largest trade partner. Yeah. Um, I see there's a huge risk there. Uh, the verticals, the different services, devices we put on top, I don't see the big risk there, but I also see a risk in the cloud that if you put data into a Chinese cloud, there's a risk that the Chinese government will use or abuse those data. Uh, as I recall, Huawei is building a cloud in Ireland right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and basically, as a private company, put to put your data in a Chinese cloud is basically like delivering data to your competitor. That's what I would claim. Uh, the reality is you have a Chinese security law from 2017, which basically says that the Chinese government wants to have access to information. Chinese companies have to provide it to them. I'm sure Huawei will say they will never transfer data from Ireland to the China and all those things, but we always have seen we have seen how uh, tech guys in China, which have been a little bit critical to the government, disappear and then they come back and change opinion. Mm-hmm. And basically, China is not a democracy. There's no freedom of speech. It's not possible to criticize the government as a one-party system. And yes, to be honest, it's. Uh, it's, it's it's basic knowledge. That's the reason why I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, I, I know. I think you've, you've vocalized them very well. I mean, I, I I think we can see the the issues, and it's that's why I, I had you on the podcast. Is it's sort of like a bigger picture that is affecting the telecoms industry as such. So, just moving on then to other topics. You you said uh, you were one of the early guys in premium SMS, which uh, was a subject close to my heart. I know. <laughs> Tell us the story about the uh, uh, Norway again. Being, no, uh, but listen, I mean, Norway was the first country, Illinois, Norway, which actually owned 
uh, was a shareholder in Gigi in, in Ireland. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Basically, I know them well. uh, was the guy who invented the the premium SMS with one short code working and same price point across all operators in the market. And back there around year 2000, we did some reports and I was traveling around doing workshops for operators, tell them how to implement premium SMS and why it would be a great business model. And I saw a whole content industry flourish at that time. And, you know, people selling Java games, logos, ringtones and all that. It's all history, but, you know, it was a gigantic <laughs> market, TV voting and all that. So every time I meet someone which have a background in the SMS business, I says, do you remember the good olden days? But it was amazing to see. Yeah, no, actually, it's amazing. There's a there's a radio series of radio stations here in Ireland that are basically uh, when you consider the size of the market, these numbers are astounding. They're basically giving away, say, between fifty and hundred thousand euro a week, based on the the revenue to get from the the entrance to the um, the competition. Uh, and you know that's that's just transformative in terms of the size of the radio business in Ireland. Being able to offer a hundred thousand as a prize is you know a pretty transformative. So people have changed their business models around. Is still are changing their business models around premium SMS. Yeah, but it's it's uh, there's there's an event called World Telemedia, which basically way back was those who did online casinos and erotic content. That's what we call porn on the internet. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> it still exists. They're, those guys still have a big business model, but they moved into the premium SMS market and they did ringtones and logos and so on. So they did online gambling, adult entertainment, and mobile entertainment. And some of those guys created some gigantic companies uh, selling these services. Uh, you also had it. They were not in the adult entertainment, but you had Jampa in, 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 in Germany, the Zambia brothers who also did PayPal or the German version of PayPal and sold it to PayPal. And mm-hmm. they did a lot of other cool things. Uh, but it's, it's it's just an example. And it, it it's, it's amazing to see how the app industry just basically copied the model. The only difference is that you pay with your credit card over your yeah. mobile app. And it's Apple and Google uh, taking about 25 to 30% of the revenue. Uh, and people don't complain the same way as a complaint where the mobile operators took 20 to 30% of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And John, what do you foresee in future trends in the business? Is there anything of interest that you think is, is going to be important? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's what's interesting is the industry needs to reinvent itself. Hmm. Um, we, we, some of the business model is, is, is basically non-existent. We see the discussion about fair cost recovery. Uh, big tech companies going to pay for the streaming uh, and doing all that. We have a business model which is not sustainable. Um, so that's one issue. Uh, the operators also need to find a way where they actually can uh, get their customers to understand that the product they're delivering have a high value. So in the mm. past, 100% of your spending every month went to your mobile operator for paying for voice, SMS, and later on data. Now, what you're spending on a mobile phone, the mobile operators maybe have like 15 to 20% of your spending, where Spotify gets some money, Netflix gets some money, mm-hmm. uh, the app stores get some money, uh, and so on and so on. You need, so in that way, you could say that 
the industry needs to reinvent itself. We also need a more efficient industry. We need more consolidation mm -hmm. in market. You've seen that in Ireland and a number of other countries. But the EU are not being so happy for these four to three merger. But we need to go down to three or maybe even two operators in each country. And we also need some cross-border uh, consolidation, even that the synergies across border is quite marginal. So it is an industry which basically looks like it's racing to the bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, and but it needs to reinvent itself. Um, sure. And I think the, the next two to three years will just be like the last five to ten years, very dramatic. Okay, okay. So that, that's really interesting, John. Thanks, thanks. I think you speak with great authority on this, and uh, I, I admire your your insights. So, John, um, I always ask in the podcast at this stage, all this hard work you do, um, what what do you do to relax? Oh, I do a lot. Uh, I have three kids. <laughs> that's not that's relaxing, relaxing, but they're no. cute. That's, that's not and relaxing. I love them. Uh, <laughs> but but I love um, and my I got my kids late, so I'm an old dad, if you could say like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I love biking. Copenhagen is a bike city. Yeah. I really enjoy that. Um, I love spending time with my family. Uh, also, just relaxing sometimes. I have a a lot of travel with my work, so just lying, relaxing, doing nothing uh, have been cool. The last days, I've watched a lot of the stuff from the latest launch to the, to the space station. There's mm -hmm. one of the four astronauts is from Denmark. Oh, yeah. Reyes Monsen. So I've been watching hours on TV. Um, I love these kind of things. So I like that, listening to music, having fun, enjoying okay. my life. Okay, that sounds very. That sounds pretty much my, like my life anyway, uh, in terms of relaxing. So yeah, music, uh, John. What sort of music do you like? Oh, I love a lot of music. I love classical music. I love jazz, but I very much because I was young in the eighties. I very much into the eighties music. <laughs> um, to be honest, and and then some people say that two of my favorite albums is actually from the end of the seventies and not typical eighty music, but. Fleetwood Mac Rumors is, from my opinion, a, a cool album. No, it is. Uh, yeah. Super Tramp Breakfast in America. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. Uh, I have some albums where I really like, but it's a lot of the 80 music. It's cool, even, you know. There's a big variety in that, but I think the 80s, it was maybe because of the time I was young, going out, partying, and having fun, big mm -hmm. time. Uh, and you felt you had the whole world in front of you. And there was no obstacles in the street. It was just <laughs> it was a four lane highway. Um, but but I think it's like the eighties. Is I think that's period. And since the the guys did the cool classical music, I think it's one of the coolest periods in music. To be honest, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. So what 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 do you going to nominate then? Though they're two great albums, by the way. But what what song are you going to nominate? Oh, the logical song, Super Tramp. Okay. Um, Okay, that goes with engineering, the logical song, which, of course, is an ironic song, of course, right, isn't it? It is, definitely, definitely. <laughs> All right, that's coming on. John, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, the, the range of topics and your insights are brilliant, and thanks for being a great guest. Oh, the pleasure's on my side.